Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Sunny Side Up Life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to asunnysideuplife.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another great interview. Today, I am joined by Cindy Zaniga Sanchez from Zero Based Budget. Cindy is a money coach, a speaker, and an author of a great new book called Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial Freedom, Eight Pillars to Build Wealth. Cindy graduated law school in 2015 with $215,000 of debt. Then she took to social media to document her debt-free journey while sharing the personal finance knowledge that she was learning in simple and relatable ways. She has spoken to thousands and coached hundreds on budgeting, saving, debt payoff, investing, credit, building generational wealth, and more. She is committed to helping millennial women, particularly women of color, create a realistic money plan to achieve financial freedom. This is one of my favorite interviews of the season. I cannot wait for you guys to hear more from Cindy and learn more about her amazing book. Side note, go and grab it. You're going to love it. It is an amazing resource, especially if you are brand new to budgeting. All right. Let's welcome Cindy to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you. For anyone who is new to your story, I'll just let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your brand, whatever you want to share. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Super excited to be here. And uh, I'm Cindy Zuniga Sanchez, the founder of Zero Based Budget Coaching LLC, a personal finance education platform for millennial women. And I started the platform when I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, (laughs) as as many people do um, in terms of starting their platform and whatnot. Uh, It it often starts with our own story, you know, and and my story really starts where I graduated from law school with um, $215,000 of debt. And that number is... uh, yeah, as you can imagine, it's quite heavy. Um, but for me, it was particularly heavy and burdensome because, uh, you know, I grew up in a low income community in the Bronx Great. and I didn't grow up with much financial literacy. You know, I think many of us don't grow up with much financial literacy, but I feel like mine was compounded by the fact that I was also, uh, you know, very low income growing up. And Great. so that amount of debt was extremely overwhelming. And um, I started my platform because I wanted to do really two things. One is share with a community just how I was tackling this debt in the first place, right? Like transparency, numbers, right, things that, yeah. especially, you know, when I started back in, you know, 2016, 2017, uh, there wasn't as much transparency as there is now, which I actually really appreciate the transparency yeah. that people offer to their communities now. Uh, but back then I didn't really have that too much. Um, but then the second part of it was uh, really sharing with my community what I was learning. So more like substantively, right? Like, how to budget, how to increase your credit, how to pay off debt, how to invest. And so, yeah, from there, like I said, my platform was born and, and it was, uh, you know, really exciting and, and kind of scary all at the same time. Uh, but it was, it was nice to have a community rooting for me as I was making right my final debt payment and, um, and, and everything that I've been able to do since then. But yeah, it's really, First and foremost, an education platform that is that definitely has millennial women at its heart, but is very motivated by my own experiences, you know, specifically as a first gen Latina from the Bronx. I love the transparency. I love that you mentioned that because I think that that's something, especially in the early days back in those days, because that's that's roughly the time I started my platform, too. And it was very much like Dave Ramsey or nothing. You know, it was there was it like. Yeah. Much oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And so sure. I think yeah. that that's why a lot of people were like, let's give a different perspective. And people were craving yeah. that. Yeah. And people were craving the authenticity and the people that had stories that were more relatable to their own. Mm-hmm. And 
and yep. I and I love it. I love how the, the how the platform has grown and how there's so many more <laughs> influencers and there's yeah. more diversity in influencers yeah, and I love yeah. it. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And more women like just generally talking about their different experiences. You know, women were so like, we're half of the population, more than half of the population. But, you know, we have so many different stories and experiences. Some are mothers, some are child free by choice. Some are, uh, you know, still in grad school, let's say, or some have graduated from medical school or grad school or, you know, dental school. Like we all have so much, uh, you know, different, um, experiences, but, but, um, contributions to the conversation. Yeah. And I'm really yeah. excited that we're able to have that now, um, where our commonality is really trying to promote the advancement of women specifically through financial gain. And I think that's Definitely. awesome for us to be able to unapologetically also, uh, be part of that community. Same. I just yeah. 100% <laughs> agree. I would love for you to share as much as you are comfortable sharing it. Just dive mm-hmm. into your childhood a little bit more. I always think it's so fascinating to hear yeah. like the origin stories of like where everybody started and kind of the yeah. also like the psychology behind it. It's like the things that happened to us throughout our lives that got us to where we are now. You know, um, very early on, I was very aware that we were my household was in a lower income than your average American. And I knew that a big reason for that was because my parents were immigrants. So my mother is an immigrant from Ecuador. My dad is an immigrant from Honduras. And, you know, they came to the country in, uh, you know, the United States in the early 1970s with little to no possessions. And, you know, not knowing any English. And so already there, there were incredible setbacks in terms of how they could advance in the workplace. And that was really the biggest thing, you know, especially, you know, we're talking in a time where a college degree was totally sufficient to earn you a very well-paying job, right? Yeah. And that was not quite the experience of uh, my, my parents because they didn't have a college education. And so, um, I knew very early on that, you know, we were lower income and there were certain things that we just went without. And I was honestly, I was okay with it. It was kind of like, okay, this sucks. But like, you know, I see on the commercial uh, people that have like microwaves and things like dishwashers and even cable television. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but I, we don't have those things. And so um, that's just how life is though. And for us, it's really going to be a mission um, for me and my sisters. I mean, uh, to break out of this chain of poverty that we were born into. And the way that we do it is education. And that's why for me specifically, education was always a really, really big part of my story and and has been, right? And it's um, also part of the reason why I wound up going into so much debt, right? Because I saw that you know, a college degree, but then, you know, taking it to the next level, becoming a lawyer, going to law school, obtaining that level of education would surely hold the key to uh, achieving the American dream for my family. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there was there was that one part of me from my childhood that was um, sort of driven by lack, you can say. Uh, But then there was this other side that was really fueled by gratitude. You know, I think that early on, because I knew that we didn't have much when we did obtain something, I was incredibly grateful. You know, I knew that during Christmas time, uh, you know, I didn't get tons and tons of Christmas presents like maybe some other kids did. But what I did get was really thoughtful. It was really intentional. It was maybe something that I really, really wanted. And uh, and I was very grateful for that, whatever it may be. Now, I'm not talking about like Playstations or Nintendos right. or things like that. That was a little out of the budget. But, yes. like you know, like... Toys that like any child w- would love, um, you know, like back in the 90s and whatnot. And I was incredibly grateful for that. Um, and that really translated and has translated into, you know, my view on material possessions. And even what I've been able to achieve is to always have this attitude of gratitude, right? Like always, first and foremost, you have to, because, uh, you know, my parents instilled in me from when I was a really little girl to just be very grateful for what we have. And with that, be generous towards others that don't have that. 
because there's always somebody that's going to be worse off than you. I know, you know, just how there's always going to be people that are better off than you. There are always going to be people that are worse off of you, worse off than you. You know, at least for me growing up, we always had food in the table, right? We always had shelter. Our rent was always paid. We were always clothed. Uh, You know, we don't have the extras, but at least we had had the necessities. And so uh, for us, it was really a matter of, you know, there are a lot of people in our community that don't have the necessity. They don't have food. They don't have shelter. They don't have adequate clothing. How can we help them? And even with the little that we had, um, we made sure that we we gave to our community. And um, and my parents still do. You know, my parents are my mom is like now she's um I think she's turning 70 next year, and my dad's already in his 70s. Yeah. And even at their age, they're still going around doing things for the community, you know, and, and I see that, and um, that's been probably my most important money lesson, honestly, from uh, you know, ever since I was a little girl, is to always you know, be grateful and and give generously. I love that so much. And yeah. I think as, as a parent myself, I think that that's something that as parents were like, but how do we teach our kids to be yeah. grateful? And what's really, what's kind of been a challenge for me is I think, well, I've worked really hard to break all these generational curses. You know, I was the first one to go to college. Um, Mm. My husband was the first six figure earner, Um, Mm. you know, so like us together Mm -hmm. as a couple, we, we broke so many like generational patterns on both sides of the family. But then we're also kind of like, but we worked really hard to give ourselves and our kids this, yeah. better life. They have no idea yeah. what it's like to go without, you know, my husband yes. and I grew up like one pair of jeans, one pair of tennis yes. shoes. So we were never hungry, <laughs> but we knew yeah. what it was like to like have the car that you were kind of embarrassed to pull up to school in, yeah. and like yeah. that kind of stuff. We, we, you know, yeah. we always had, we always had shelter. We always had food, but you know, um, yeah. and so we worked really hard to kind of give our kids better you know for them to not have to have that struggle but now we're kind of like how do we help them not grow up and be entitled like spoiled little brats you know and be like wow we're we're rich (laughs) no your parents have worked really hard to get to it's a Um, challenge yeah it's a challenge yeah Yeah. so i would love kind of your (laughs) your feedback on that of how do you how did you see that exemplified Mm -hmm. of like how do you teach that how did your parents teach you that gratitude yeah I think you know for for me it was it was really easy for me and my sisters to understand Mm -hmm. this you know um be grateful for what we have because we would you know every four or five years or so we would travel to Ecuador Mm -hmm. and we witnessed firsthand what poverty actually looks like. And that is very intense, you know, as, as a child to go from one country where kids are talking about, you know, going to Disney and uh, having gone, uh, spent the weekend in the malls. Remember that, right? Like in the nineties and early two thousands, like the mall was the place to be Um, and, and getting the latest pair of Jordans or, you know, Game Boy Color that just came out or whatever it may be to go from that to a country where in a lot of communities, the kids don't have shoes. Mm -hmm. They're walking around barefoot. That will really put things into perspective really quickly without your parents even having to say much, you know, and also from, you know, our experiences, we would we would take things from here. Like, you know, it's funny because um, yes. it's now as an adult that I realize that people will donate, uh, you know, clothes to like, you know, churches and 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 um, thrift shops and all that, yes. right? Like that's very common to do. Uh, and, and I guess we did do that, especially when we were younger to our church, especially like winter clothes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I live in, I, I'm from New York City. I live in Jersey now, uh, but, you know, same area. And we definitely yeah. have the four seasons. Yes. And so winter would be definitely that time where we would go to church and, and donate like our coats and our warm clothing and things like that. And so exposing your kids first and foremost to things like that, right? It doesn't have to be as dramatic as 
taking them to a third world country, yes. right? Um, and also you want to be very mindful that if you do things like that, you want to make sure that you're not exploiting the people in that's, said third that's world what country, I was gonna say. Either, right? For like <laughs> your like entertainment or anything like that. So for us, for example, we would always uh, donate our like spring and summer clothes. Like we would physically take it to Ecuador with us, you know, to distribute and to donate to the people. And that was very, um, just put things into perspective. And so, you know, there was that, but I think that for me more, my concern is how do I ensure that my niece and nephew Mm -hmm. don't grow up incredibly entitled, you know? So I don't have kids of my own, but my niece and nephew are my children. (laughs) And, you know, I love them. Like if they were my own and for me, it's, I've had these conversations with my sisters, honestly, Sammy, like all the time is like, you know, we are all college educated. Mm -hmm. Um, My oldest sister's a teacher. The middle one's a fashion designer. And I'm a lawyer now turned entrepreneur. Our husbands all have great jobs as well or their own businesses and whatnot. And so it's like, how do we ensure that we're not raising because it takes a village, right? To raise. Oh, yeah. How are we ensuring that we're not raising um, spoiled kids. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I remember when before, right before my nephew was born, I remember saying like, I think it's so ridiculous to buy kids like any name brand clothes. Like who <laughs> yeah. would do that? <laughs> judgy, judgy, judgy. Oh my gosh. I was the judgment queen on that. I'm like, who would do that? Yes. that absolutely absurd. Especially when I was like, definitely not getting name brand clothes, right? Like as a little girl. And what happens before my nephew was born, uh, my, my first nephew, is that I bought him these little like um, Ralph Lauren uh, little sneakers, like baby sneakers. I didn't just get him one pair. Yeah. Him two pairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two pairs. Totally unnecessary. Now, yeah. did he look absolutely cute in them? Yes. Of and course. my niece was able to use them too when she was born, his his little sister, um, yes. five years later. All great, right? But I realized pretty quickly that I needed to kind of like rein it in, <laughs> you know, when it came to uh, this urge to spend on my niece and nephew. And here's how I've done it. One way is during, for example, the holidays or their birthdays or whatever it may be, they only get one toy. They yes. get one toy. They get one, um, or they get like an outfit right? Uh, you know, like a pair of shoes and a sweater or pants, whatever it may be, um, a book, and then they get money in their, uh, 529 plan. I love it. Yes. That's how we balance it. Right. So we we're doing what we can in terms of like, you know, through like our church community and through our community, like where we live, you know, um, they live in the Bronx. Uh, I lived in Harlem for like seven, eight years. And so we used to do work there as well. Right. Like we expose them to community service, right? In our communities, we do that. But then like tangibly, we don't give them everything that they want. Yeah. And that's really important too, right? Because we kind of need to strike a balance because it is very tempting to, you know, fall into that. And so that's kind of how I've found the balance. And, you know, I have been investing in my, uh, both my nephew and niece's accounts since they were newborns. And I know that that is something that's really going to benefit them in the long term rather than, you know, 30 pairs of really expensive shoes. I know. know. Well, you got to find a balance. It's it's really, it's I a challenge. To. It's hard for me because I, like, I love like, you know, I mean, who doesn't, right? And especially it, if you grew up without, right? right. But and like, especially if you can afford yeah. to, you're like, yeah, I know, yeah. That's, that's really yeah. a challenge that we have faced. And, and my kids are, my husband and I are the first, the oldest. We're both the oldest children. So we had like mm. all of our kids. We were done having kids before any of our siblings started having kids. Mm. So yeah. it's kind of like all our, our <laughs> two nephews and our niece, they're kind of like round two, like yeah. <laughs> of the babies. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so crazy. My sister and I've had basically the same conversation you're saying you mm-hmm. had with your sister. Mm-hmm. Like me and my sisters, we're all college educated, but we're first generation college educated, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and my sister, she just had her first baby. Um, he's like three weeks old right now. And oh, she like, <laughs> yes, thank you. She um, got him one of those Duna car seat strollers. It was like five, six hundred dollars. And but she can afford to. She didn't put on yeah. a credit card like she legitimately. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so we yeah. talked about she was like, if I can afford to, I'm going to do it. But then also yeah. the things of being like, he's also has a ton of like hand me down and garage sale clothes. Like at the same time, yeah, she's like, you yeah. gotta keep this kid humble, but also I can afford it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, I mean, the thing is that it, it does come down to striking the best balance that yeah. you can strike, right? Because like, are we ever like, let's be honest, are we ever fully balanced? Yeah. No, Probably right? Not. Like, of course not. <laughs> like, it, it's just not gonna, it's not realistic, mm-hmm. right? Um, Especially if we're comparing to like our own situations, right? Like if you're interested to compare to like how you grew up compared yeah. to like the, the privileges that your children have access to. Um, it, yes. It's never going to be a perfect balance, but what we can do is just do the best that we can and be really mindful of it. I think yeah. awareness, especially self-awareness, is so critical when it comes to all aspects of personal finance, whether it's parenting, you know, whether it's paying off debt, budgeting, whatever it may be, you need to be incredibly self-aware. And I think that's often where we kind of get a little tripped up sometimes. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a very, it's a very hard balance, but it's yeah. almost like we kind of blaze the trail. So it'll be yeah. even easier for the next generation, but it's also yeah. like you said, and also like, I loved what you said about not exploiting when you're kind of trying to exemplify yes. this to the next generation, yes. it's a very hard balance. And I'll be really yes. honest, it's even harder as a white person because you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know that this yeah. is real, but no one wants to be like that rich white girl that's like, yeah. let's go like to the, the poor savior. side of town. Like yeah. that feels <laughs> yeah. really icky. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like kind yeah. of how do you like find that right balance? But you know, I, I love yeah. I love what you said about that. That kind of got my wheels turning about like different things. And of course, you know, we do like service projects and yeah. we're very big on like we go and pick up trash at the park. And it's not even about yeah, like humans. It's also about like taking care of nature and like yeah, the planet. Absolutely. Every time there's yeah. a food bank, I'm like cleaning out yeah. the pantry and my kids yeah. are like, what are you doing? And uh, yeah. like we did that at Thanksgiving. My kids are like, what are you doing? Like they're, they're yeah. collecting, um, you know, canned goods and stuff at your dentist. We're about to go to the dentist. We're going to drop off some stuff. And they're like, yeah. why? Well, some people yeah. like don't have enough for Thanksgiving and they're like, yeah. oh, you know, just little yeah. things. But like I think that. what you're doing in terms of getting your kids involved is very good, right? Like yeah. educating them, letting them know like what you're doing, why you're doing um, this, how you as a family are contributing to this too, I think is is really important, you know? And yeah. I definitely get the whole like, um, you know, the, the, the like savior <laughs> complex that it, a lot of times people can have. Yeah, I mean, yes. like, even as a Latina, like I am still a light-skinned Latina, right? I am from a privileged country, you know, where we have a lot of access to things. I think one of the big ways that uh, you kind of address that in a way that is very mindful of of who you're actually trying to help Mm -hmm. is by working with the local communities, right? Like not, oh, here is what here's what I have for you, but no, what do you need from me? How can I help you? Right. Like going into the communities and asking, uh, you know, what resources do you need? What, um, what can I do? And they're like, Oh, well, we need volunteers for this weekend. Okay. Uh, my children and I can come, right. Like really immersing yourself with the local community. I think that is really the way that you, you know, um, uh, address uh, balance, right? Again, yes, to balance, right? <laughs> balance this whole, like, I really want to help, but I also don't want to, you know, um, in, in, in any way, uh, overstep, right? Yeah. Like, you know, overstep my place. And, and, and I think that doing that, especially with your kids, um, you know, even in small ways, I think is, is, is a good first step. And, yeah. uh, Hey, it's a heck of a lot better than what some parents, probably do which is like nothing right they probably yeah. just get frozen and it's like overwhelmed and and then you know their kids are kind of left wondering like you know well what does it mean to be like a good citizen yeah. and you know, yeah. helping your neighbor kind of thing yeah. um yeah so as, as as best as you can as small as you can so long as you act in some way i love that i love that yeah yeah oh my gosh so much good stuff Have you been feeling like you need a little extra support on your budgeting journey? Well, that's exactly why I offer one-on-one 12-week coaching sessions. They are designed to give you fully personalized budgeting support. Together, we'll organize your bills, spending, debt, and savings goals, and I'll help you get a system in place that will set you up for financial success for years to come. I'll be there to hold you accountable, talk you through building new habits, and help you adopt a positive mindset towards your life. Visit sunnysideuplife.com slash coaching to apply today to see if coaching is right for you. Now back to the episode. 
you kind of mentioned your career switch. And I would love to hear yeah. more about that. It's always really fascinating to me and very terrifying to me. I've kind of always been an entrepreneur slash stay at home, homeschool mom. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. one of our goals is to kind of switch gears from my husband being mm. a six figure earner working mm. outside of the home to eventually like me being the breadwinner. But it seems mm. terrifying to like make that uh, like that really safe, secure job. That's like everyone is kind of, oh, oh yeah. man, you have that great job, but you can afford everything to. Oh, you know, listen, I've heard all of it. Yes. Yes. It's terrifying. So tell us it a little is. bit more yeah. about that because a lot of people want to make that jump, but they're afraid to. So, yeah, yeah. And look, I was afraid to, yeah. you know, I didn't make that jump fearlessly. Yeah. It was really difficult. So, for context, after I graduated law school, I uh, was given a job offer at this firm that I had interned. Um, I had done like a paid internship with them. Uh, this law firm that's in, you know, the top 100 law firms in the country really, you know, excellent known for litigation and, you know, national firm, the whole thing. Right. Uh, I was given a job offer with them in their commercial litigation group. So essentially it's like the court side of corporate law, you know, okay. um, yeah. and, and I represented clients, uh, both, you know, honestly, mainly large companies, uh, but also some government organ like entities as well in federal and state court. And it was all kinds of claims from, you know, real estate to uh, advertising law to your type, you know, your typical like breach of contract, like business type of claims, like negligence and breach of fiduciary duty, you know, all of that. I won't bore yeah. you all too much with that stuff. But <laughs> um, needless to say that when you're representing clients of that size at a law firm, uh, you know, of, of that prestige, uh, a salary commensurate to that accompanies it. Right. Yeah, and definitely. so, um, what I'm trying to say is that I, I made a lot of money as a lawyer, right? right? Like that's like, there's no way to go around it. Right. Um, I made more money than I like than anyone in my family ever even thought was possible, honestly. Yep. And, um, the reason why I bring that up is, is not at all to gloat. It's to say the weight yeah, that I had on mm. me when I was thinking about leaving that security blanket behind mm -hmm. and what it would mean, not just to me, but to my family, Oh yeah, right? to my parents who I had my whole life uh, sought to do better for, you know, for, for them so that their retirement years could be comfortable. And so for me, it was it was really difficult to make that decision, but I made the decision really um, in two things that I kind of had to set into place. One was looking at my business and which had been growing, right? So I started my business officially in 2019, exactly four years ago. So February, 2019. And I started it by, you know, just offering like low cost coaching services on like budgeting and debt payoff and, you know, things of that nature of something yeah. that I was doing on the weekends. It wasn't anything too big, uh, but my community started to grow pretty quickly. And with that came uh, attracting brand partnerships and, um, and, and sponsorships, as well as speaking engagements and, all of these opportunities started to present itself that I didn't, honestly, I never really knew was, was an option. And all of a sudden I saw my business starting to scale. So I think the first thing for me was, is my business, does my business have the potential to scale? Like, does it have the potential to grow and to bring in the kind of income where, you know, maybe it won't necessarily replace mm -hmm. my law firm salary, but maybe it'll get us pretty close to it somehow, right? Does it have the potential to do it, the realistic potential? And for me, again, with seeing the type of inquiries that I was getting and I was rejecting, you know, I had to turn down a lot of, you know, the request that I was getting because I, I couldn't split myself right. in half as yeah. much as I wanted to, I yes. didn't do it, you know? And so there was, there, there was that one aspect of, does my business have the opportunity to grow? Um, but specifically to grow to a point where I can have that financial stability, you know, maybe it's not exactly, you know, mimicking the financial stability I had with my law firm job. But if I could get myself somewhere in the realm of that, that's pretty good. Um, and then the second piece of it was 
what does my emergency fund look like? Mm. And what does my, what I created a sabbatical fund look like? So I created a sabbatical fund, which was separate to my emergency fund, which basically was enough money that it would give me at least like a six month runway to like figure this whole thing out. So if in six months I don't bring anything in, then I can, maybe I'll just go back to practicing law or I'll, you know, do whatever it is, but I'll give myself that runway so that I also have that ease of knowing I'm not like dipping into my emergency fund, you know, because that would probably cause me a lot more anxiety. Now, some (laughs) people just say, well, I have an emergency fund and that's enough. And, and I can make that leap. Um, and that's a very personal decision. You know, for me, I chose to have a sabbatical fund separate from my emergency fund, because also, even though, again, even though I don't have children, I do have my parents, you know, I do help financially, um, support. And so, you know, for me, it was really, uh, you know, you really got to make this work, Cindy, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as much as possible. Um, but I didn't want to give myself the crazy stress of if my business isn't bringing in money, you know, for the first few months, I'll still be okay because I have this fund set up and, and it worked out really well. Um, I think mm-hmm. I had about, um, I want to say the equivalent of, yeah, I think it was like, it ultimately came out to like six to seven months, kind of like tucked away. And that was um, primarily funded by my, the bonus that I had received from like the year before, Love it. instead of, you know, like at that point I was debt free. Right. And so the temptation is <laughs> like, Ooh, I'm going to ball out now. <laughs> yeah. Like spend this right. Instead of doing that, I instead just directed those resources uh, to this sabbatical fund. I, I love that. That's so smart. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard yeah. it worded that way as a sabbatical yeah. fund. I love that. That's yeah. Really yeah. But I, that's what I, I was saying because it's like, okay, I'm taking like a sabbatical from like the legal career, yeah. but unfortunately it's not like I'm taking a sabbatical from work because I'm still going to be working, you know? Um, but also in those first few months, I actually was um, in a like business entrepreneur, like coaching program. And I was also then building out my course. And so because of that, I also knew that like, I wasn't going to be making all of this money right away. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of needed to have that, um, you know, like that cushion in place. Yeah. And it it takes a while that I kind of like, I like that you kind of touched on that is that I think we see a lot of these kind of clickbait, like entrepreneur posts. That's like, Oh, a hundred grand in 60 days or like something that's so ridiculous. And I'm like, I I mean, I only did my business like part-time. And like I said, like I stay home with my kids and you know, they were babies when I first started and all of that. But it took me about five years to actually yeah. give myself a paycheck. I mean, there was a lot where I would like reinvest in the business. I'm like, okay, the business right. is going to buy a new computer. The business yeah. is going to buy a new camera, you know, all this, yeah. this yeah, kind of absolutely. stuff. But yeah, to really actually give myself a paycheck, it was about yeah. five years. And I always try to yeah. like remind people that, that it's not going to be just an instant. I mean, it might be, you might like go viral. It might. And you if might that's get... you, I love that for you. Yes. I love that for you. That was yeah. not it for me though. Let me tell you that. <laughs> no, it, it, it takes a while. It takes, you have to build up your reputation yeah. and your client base and figure yeah. out who your target audience is. And it just, it, it takes a while. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that, you know, something that I'm going to be very honest with you, I wish people were more transparent, transparent about is that transition phase, Mm -hmm. that uncertainty that happens when you leave a full-time job to pursue entrepreneurship. I think a lot of times people try to sell entrepreneurship as being like very sexy, very shiny, very like, you know, oh my gosh, you're going to work like two hours a day. And (laughs) You're going to be like relaxing. Like, no, 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 no. (laughs) No. Okay. That's not the case. Um, it, It is a lot of really, really hard work. And it's also really stressful to know that you are on this like never ending roller coaster where some months is really, really high. And some months is really, really low. Like, look, Sammy, I'll share with you and your audience that my lowest month last year, I brought in, I kid you not, I brought in $154. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. 
been okay. there. I, I yeah. like that is literally what I brought in. Like even my yeah. bookkeeper when we were doing like my year, like yeah. you know, year end recap. Um, it was it was actually the month of May, which is funny because that's my birthday month. Yeah. <laughs> it was the month of May last year. Um, where you just see this like really steep yeah. like dip, right? Yep. And that's what I brought in. You know, I was writing, editing, and publishing my book for most of last year. And something that a lot of people don't talk about is that writing a book means oh. that you know, if you're a first time author, unless you're like a celebrity, you're probably going to get a pretty low advance. First and yeah. foremost, you're not going to get the kind of advance that's going to like help you to live comfortably. Right. For like, no, that that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be just enough to like maybe pay your rent for like a few months. Right. Yes. And so for me, it was really a matter of, of being on this, like, kind of crazy roller coaster last year where some months were really, really high. And that was great. And that was honestly more towards the end of the year once I mm-hmm. finished writing and editing the book. So for me, it was mainly like October, November, uh, December, where I had that like influx of money coming in praise God, because I don't know what I would have done <laughs> <Yes>. otherwise. <laughs> um, but then there were a lot of months in, or especially earlier of last year where there were a lot of lows yeah and so you need to also prepare yourself for that and I don't say that at all to scare people or to you know I just say that out of a place of of this sort of kind of like tough love right Mm -hmm. where you you want people to know what the reality can look like not necessarily what it will look like but what it can look like and you want to just ensure that they have uh you know their base is covered yeah. Right. When it comes to possibly facing situations like that, because you would never want to put you or your family in a position where you're scrambling to, you know, buy groceries because yeah. you, you know, underestimated things. Right. Or overestimated things right. uh, yeah. on your end. Yeah. yeah. And I, I found as an entrepreneur that kind of what you were saying, like you can very directly tell by your income and your profits and your yeah. how much your follower count is growing or or falling sometimes um, by what's going on in your personal life. I mean, you can just, I I can tell when I'm, you know, not in a great place mentally. I'm like, I can tell that everything starts to get really stagnant. And when I'm just feeling it, when I am just like feeling myself, I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. you, you look great. Show up in those reels, you know, I can see that reflected in my Instagram following numbers. But then there's times where I'm like, I'm just going to hide and I'm not going to post anything with my face on it or, you know, anything like that. It's it's so I think that being entrepreneur is very directed to very directly related to what's going on with your mental health, like what's going on in your personal life. Something else that I don't think a lot of people talk about in entrepreneurship is like it's a lot of self work because. No one else is saying time to get out of bed. No one else is saying like, show up. It's you. Yeah. It's you. Your business is you. It's you. It's not just the product and service that you sell. It is you. And I, I so appreciate that you brought up the showing up on social media, for example, you know, for, for me, where a lot of my business, the traffic that kind of comes in, the attention that my platform gets, gets is through social media. And so there are times where like, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone right now. I want to hide. Like I want to unplug. Right. And, and, and then there are times where I wake up and I'm like, this is going to be a good day. I am a queen. Right. Like I can get all this done. There's other times that you don't feel like that at all. And I think that is also really difficult part of entrepreneurship that I don't think it's talked about enough is that you are your business. You are the brand, which means that you are always on sale. Yeah. And that's really, really your difficult face, to turn your names. Yes. Your that's hobbies, difficult to come to terms with. Everything, Absolutely. Everything. Absolutely. And I think that I do think that building um systems in your business that mm-hmm. allow you to kind of like <clears throat> spread that out. So if you are having a bad day, it's okay. Right. Or you know, but it does get a it get it takes time to get to that yeah. point. And so I just want to encourage people to to know that the the beginning is always like the most difficult yeah and until you find your groove and kind of that I don't want to say like the optimal sweet spot because I don't know that we ever find that but um you do your very best so that you can get to a point where you're like okay I have a system going I have some sort of a flow 
I'm feeling a little bit more confident in things in myself and in how I'm running my business. Yeah. And, and batching content, batching content is everything for me. I, I have a lot of up and downs with my depression and Mm -hmm. there are times Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I don't want my picture taken. I don't want to be acting right. silly in a yeah. reel or yeah. showing up and like giving yeah. it all my energy. I don't feel like it. So like, I don't want to put on makeup. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. That. Right. I don't want to put you on know? real clothes like, today. That's a yeah. lot. So when I am feeling it, it's making 20 or 30 reels in sometimes yeah. one day. It's just like, all right, wow. let me crank them out. And so like, I'm good. Sammy, that is so impressive. Oh. Cause I have, I have batch content on my to-do list today and I have four reels that I'm making and even with four I'm like oh they're a lot of work (laughs) they are a lot of work oh man I will just like there's some days by you 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 need to teach me but it's like it's like 20 (laughs) or zero there is like not much yeah you either go all in or you're like I I don't got nothing for you yeah (laughs) just like oh and I have a really I have a big gap in my Instagram because I had several months where I was struggling with allergies, very severe allergies. Like my eyes were almost swelled shut and I don't want to take a picture of my face right now. I don't, my poor coaching clients, they were the only ones that like really saw my face on Zoom and I'm like, they're like, are you okay? (laughs) Not really, thanks. Oh, you're like, nope. (laughs) There's like a huge block in my Instagram where there's like no recent pictures, no reels with my face on them. Yeah. And you'll see that directly um, related if you look at my follower numbers or even my revenue for those months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's real. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it happens to all of us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You you just recently posted like a day in the life entrepreneur reel, which I always mm-hmm. love. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious, anyone listening who's like, maybe I want it. Like, maybe we haven't scared them off yet from entrepreneurship. Yeah, I hope not. I <laughs> yeah, hope what, not. Do, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges in being your own boss? Like, it's very glamorized, but it's yeah. not all great. What, what are some yeah. of your biggest challenges? definitely structuring your time like yeah. with without a doubt and i think now like 2023 is when i finally gotten into some sort of a groove some sort of a routine yeah. i think that what you said earlier you know no one's telling you what time to wake up no one's mm-hmm. telling you what time to go to bed no one's telling you when to you know pencils down like you're done with work for the day. And it can be very tempting to turn your business into your 24 mm-hmm. seven. And I want to caution people against that because that will lead to burnout. Yes. And so, you know, I do think that structuring my time in terms of, I don't do nine to five because I'm not a morning person. I do yeah. 10 to six, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so for me, it, it comes to, you know, structuring my day in terms in terms of 10 to six, um, laying out all my tasks. Like I try to do on Fridays. Um, Fridays is usually like my half day. I I give myself a half day. Uh, so, you know, Monday through Thursday, I work a full regular, you know, 10 to six type of day. Sometimes it's a little longer. Like today I have my, uh, once a month, um, you know, group coaching call. And so that's from eight to 9 PM to accommodate people on the West coast. And so, you know, obviously a day like today, my day is going to end a lot, a lot later, but it's just really one day of the month. So it's fine. Um, but having a groove where, you know, for example, you have this specific time that you are planning the upcoming week is super important. So for me, that's Friday. So for Friday on a Friday, I take at least an hour and I go through my calendar, right? So I go through my, you know, desktop calendar as well as my planner. And I look at, okay, what do I have coming up? What do I need to get done? What are my high priority items? Identify which days you're most productive. For me, that's Mm -hmm. Monday through Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And make those commitments on those days. Like put those commitments on those days. Okay, so for example, if you had to, like for me, I have to batch create content, right? And social media content. And so for me, I have specifically a two hour block for today so that I can dedicate to that. And, you know, I think it's, it's really important to try to be honest with how you work as well. Mm -hmm. Like I know that by Thursdays, I'm kind of starting to wind down a little bit, just like my, my, my energy, you know, all of that. And so what I try to do for Thursdays is more like you know, um, uh, well, I, w- I would say like an, a mix of like administrative things, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like administrative things. And then things like, you know, um, now on Thursdays, I have my w- uh, weekly meeting with my VA, for example, yep. right? Like things that I know are not like 
super high stress, right, that are manageable, uh, you know, I will leave those for like the Thursday. And so you have to identify like, you know, when do you work most productively? What times of day also, right? Like I'm not a morning person, but maybe you are. And so maybe (laughs) you make, you know, like 7am to 12pm, you're like big, like that, that's your work time. Right. And that's great. I would never be able to do that because Mm -hmm. I would be like, I would be be knocked out. Right. (laughs) Um, so again, be very honest with you, but I do think that is probably one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs struggle with, especially early on, because you don't have a boss telling you to come into the office Mm -hmm. by nine o'clock and, and, you know, and you're leaving, you're clocking out by five. And so really developing some type of structure to your day that works with your natural workflow, like your natural body and energy, um, I think is really, really key. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I was just thinking, um, yeah, I don't do mornings. I don't do any calls before 10 because no one wants my husband doesn't even want to speak to me before 10 a.m. Like, (laughs) not really. Um, And I I take off Mondays like Mondays are not. And it's it's so great because the rest of the world is like at work and school and like whatever. And so nobody bugs me. So like I can get Ah. so much like housework or errands or like whatever done on Mondays because like nobody's calling me. Nobody wants to come over. Nobody wants me to come over to their house like people that just leave me alone i can sleep in on monday and i'm like this is a good way to start the week that's pretty that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah i like that yeah and that's just kind of years of figuring out i don't really like mondays and so i'm gonna do something fun on mondays (laughs) absolutely yep identify what works for you exactly well so you kind of touched on this a couple different times but I do want to give it the attention it deserves. Tell us a little bit about your book. One of my bucket list is to write a book. Like I just, ugh, yeah. you know, so tell us a little bit about your book, what inspired you to write it and just kind of what it's been like as a new author. Yeah, sure. So my book is called Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial Freedom, Eight Pillars to Build Wealth. And it shares my story from, you know, from when I was a little girl, right, uh, yeah. to becoming six figures in debt, to becoming debt-free, yeah. right? Um, so it kind of goes through that whole trajectory uh, of my life in the first, just the first few chapters. But the core of the book is dedicated to the eight pillars that I believe we all should have in place for financial freedom. Everything from how to honestly audit your own numbers, calculate your net worth, um, you know, build and repair credit, invest, and, you know, budget. Yeah. And debt, all those things, you know, I, I hit on those topics. Um, and then the book wraps up with this really, it's probably like my favorite part to be honest, um, this really neat, like a uh, checklist sort of roadmap, right. Where, you know, you kind yeah. of have like a really brief, you know, two to three page summary sort of on what each chapter is about and kind of this easy checklist of like, okay, you know, for me thinking about credit, for example, and even credit cards, like, what do I need to have in place? What do I need to check off sort of speak? Mm-hmm. So that's generally the structure of the book. But the reason why I wrote it is because, you know, when I started my my journey to paying off debt uh, to, you know, achieving financial freedom, if you will, I noticed that there were very, very little diverse authors on the bookshelves. You know, most of the authors that I found on, uh, you know, my my local uh, bookstore were older white men. And, (laughs) you know, aside from being from a, a, a very different demographic than myself, um, you know, that alone wasn't the, the issue because I mean, let's be very honest, the American education system is very heavily built on yeah. the perspectives of, again, older white Old men. White men. But, it, <laughs> but yeah. it was also that a lot of the information seemed really like outdated and yeah. very out of touch, you know? And so for me, I really wanted to learn from diverse voices. I wanted to learn from women. I wanted to learn, learn from women of color. And there were very few books that I found in that uh, in that area. And, um, and very, very few books, um, to be very honest, like not really any that I found written by a Latina. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that was really important too, you know, to be able to see myself or my life experience uh, in in a book such that, you know, it does make you connect to whatever it is that you are learning a a little easier when you're like, yeah, I can relate to what the author is saying. And so for me, I wanted to write the story that I was not finding Mm -hmm. on bookshelves. And, and that was my own story. Right. And so, um, 
I am a big believer that we all have a story in us. So, you know, yes. you mentioned that you really want to write a book. I am team absolutely yeah. do it. I right? don't even because care we, if I make money at it. Like listen, I, it, it has to get done at some point listen, in my life. We all have, <laughs> right? We all have our story. We all have our own unique perspective. Um, but, but more so, we all have something to share that mm-hmm. others are going to find value in. So you see... It's very tempting to say, I wrote this book for myself. I wrote this book because I wanted to just say what I wanted to, uh, you know, communicate to the world and, and, and write my story and share my story. And of course, right, there is that part of it, yeah. right, as an author that you want to share your own experiences and whatnot. But I wanted to really add value to my community, you know, add value to women, add value to women of color, add value to, um, you know, first gen kids, you know, children of immigrants and whatnot in, in terms of what are these, you know, what's the information about money that I wish I would have had, you mm. know, when I started my journey, what do I wish I would have known about paying off debt, about student loans, about even entrepreneurship, yeah. right? Like there's so many different things that I touch on in my book, uh, in, in this very kind of like easy to read format because you know my book isn't this like legal document that's one right. thing that I wanted to make sure I stayed away from <laughs> is like legalese type of writing right. I tried to make my writing you know really easy to understand uh you know full of examples and hypotheticals so you can actually see the information in practice and yeah honestly it's been my proudest work it's something that I am so honored that I was able to put together and now, you know, to be able to share it with the world is, is truly a dream come true. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations on that because that's just amazing. You You love to see people actually doing the things like it just one of the most heartbreaking things is when you see people saying, well, one day I'll do this one day I'll do that. And then you, you just know because of the, type of person they are that they're probably never going to do that. Yeah. And it's really sad. Yeah, and so yeah. it just, it's so inspiring to me to see people who are actually doing it. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the thing is like writing the yeah. book, taking the trips, starting yeah. the business, doing the things. It's Absolutely. So inspiring. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Go so, for it. Go yes, for it. Yes. So what do you think is next for you? Like, where do you see your business in like one year, five years? Tell us, what do you, you think? You know, um, to be very honest with you, Sammy, I used to be, I, I was the checklist girl, right? Yes. Like I yes. was the uh, plan A, B, C through Z kind yeah. of girl. Yep. And for the first time in my life, I don't really have that kind of a plan. You I know, I it. have... I basically have a year plan for my mm-hmm. business. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm really hoping to, uh, I would love to double the revenue that I made last year, especially because last year was a lower year for me. You know, I was writing the book. I was really, really immersed in that and really committed myself to that, that now I am really excited for the opportunities that I'm able to take on with, uh, you know, the course that I built for, for, for my community to speaking engagements, to brand partnerships, et cetera. I'm, I'm excited to be uh, more in, in that world now, now that I have yes. a little bit more time, <laughs> you yes. know, so, so that's really great. So I definitely would love to be able to double my revenue for this year. That would be obviously amazing. Um, but as far as, you know, five or even 10 years from now, I don't really know. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. That, you know, yes. like I think that for the first time, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, whereas before I would be stressed out, mm-hmm. yes. um, you know, right now I'm actually sort of embracing it. I'm embracing you know, the present and I'm, I'm really committed to making the most of my current time. And, um, you know, I, I do actually want to go back to practice law, which always shocks people when I tell them that. Uh, but I feel like I have a lot of talents that I can offer my profession and a very interesting perspective on, you know, what it is that I've done. So I guess you can maybe say that, in the next maybe like three-ish years or so, I'd love to build my business to get to a point where I am only needed like, let's say one day a week kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, For very, very specific tailored projects and everything else is kind of running smoothly by, you know, let's say an employee that I'm able to hire, which would be beautiful. That would be a, a really big yeah. goal of mine to be able to do. And uh, and then I can practice law, you know, um, uh, like on a part-time kind of like three or four day type of schedule, um, four days a week. I mean, uh, that would be really awesome. Um, yeah. But you know, who's to say? Right. Who's well, to I, say? I think the beautiful thing about life is that 
it doesn't have to be linear. I think a lot of times we grow up thinking that it should yes. be linear, uh, yes. but what if it's not right? What if there are different paths that we can take and we can embrace each of those paths because they are fitting our lives for that specific season? Like what if we say yes to more things that scare us uh, and, and no to the things that don't serve us, right? So that's kind of the journey that I'm on. Um, so maybe we can touch base in a couple of years and yeah. see where I am. That would be great. Yeah. I, I yeah. appreciate you saying that and being honest about that because I think we do feel like, well, we have to set the goals. And yes. yeah, exactly. I'm the same exact way. Like I've always been a goal setter. I've always been a very numbers based. This yeah. is my yep. numerical goal for whatever followers, revenue, whatever it is. This is the first year that I went to set my goals for the year. And I was like, I kind of don't want to set goals. You know, mm. my revenue goal mm-hmm. is whatever is supposed to happen. It, mm. You know, the clients that are supposed to find me will find me. I've I've yeah. done so much of the legwork. I've done like I've been working, you know, my business is what, six, seven years old now. You know, oh, yeah. it's there. All that free content yeah. is there. The people who yeah. are supposed to find me will find me. The clients that right. are supposed to sign up will sign up. Like it's very much yeah. trusting the process. And that's really terrifying, but it felt like this Mm -hmm. was the year to do it. So I I appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel a little less crazy that I'm not the only one that's kind of. No, you're not. Let's see. Let's just (laughs) see how it goes. (laughs) And if I don't have a lot of clients, apparently I was supposed to rest a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. This rest thing is is radical, but I hear it's great. So I think we should lean into it a little bit more. (laughs) I have to very, I'm a very intentional rester. I have to put it on my to-do list. So I'm still, yes. well, I'm look, still a you know, baby. You got to do what you got to do. Make yeah. sure you get it done though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I'm still like a newbie at resting and like taking days yeah. off and yeah. it's very yeah. weird, but we're, we're trying to get yeah. there, but yeah. 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 So yeah. Was, uh, on that topic, I like to ask all of my guests at the end of the interview to kind of encourage mm-hmm. people to break free from the hustle culture, you know, this capitalist society that we live in. That's like, yeah. if if you're doing something, you better make a profit of it. Yeah. That's been a big goal of mine to kind of break free of that. So I love to ask yeah. everyone, what is something that you do just because it brings you joy? Doesn't necessarily bring you profit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, something that does not bring me any type of profit is going to Broadway shows (laughs) that costs me money, Um, but I love it. You know, I, I, I'm a city girl, you know, I was born and raised in New York and, um, you know, growing up, we didn't have access, right. Again, because of, for financial reasons, yeah. uh, necessarily to Broadway or even off Broadway. And so now as an adult, um, it's something that I've always loved to do. And even when I was in high school, I was like in an English drama class where, you know, we took our first uh, few real, um, field trips, you know, to see, you know, musical theater and plays and whatnot. And so now as an adult, you know, having some disposable income, um, I'm able to take on these types of, uh, you know, opportunities. And for me, it makes me really excited and brings me a lot of joy to be able to see art in that form. And so that is something that I genuinely enjoy to do that absolutely does not make me any money on the contrary cost me money, but I love it <laughs> I love that that is yeah. oh that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah so thank you so much for taking time out to share everything that you share is such a good conversation so tell thank us you. where we can find you the resources that you offer all that yeah. stuff yeah, sure. So uh, I'm most accessible at um, Zero Based Budget on Instagram. That's where I'm mm-hmm. the most active. You can find me on my stories there. I'll post like daily little random yeah. things. Um, not always just personal finance, but even things that are going on in my life as an yeah. entrepreneur and, and whatnot. Uh, you can find me at um, also www.zero-basedbudget.com. And you can also on my website, find more about my resources, including my free budget template that I offer to my community, my uh, signature course that I, you know, have um, hundreds of students enrolled in, which is really awesome, especially if you're trying to just figure out your personal finances. And of course, the best way to um, support me also at a very, very accessible price point is my new book, you know, so Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial Freedom, Eight Pillars to Build Wealth. You can get it on, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon, um, and even your local library, you know, asking your library to carry my book 
is really, really helpful. So you're like, you know, it's honestly just not in my budget right now. Well, can I ask you to ask your local library uh, to carry my book? It would mean a lot to me. And I'm sure it would mean a lot to those in your community too. So um, those are different, you know, resources that I offer and, and, uh, and yeah, we can, you know, chat more on, uh, on Instagram. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, of course we'll link everything in the show notes so everybody can follow you if they don't already and check out your book and all of your resources. So again, thank you so much for your time yeah, and everything you. that you shared. <laughs> it was really great to talk to you. Same here. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.